Peace be upon you. So the other day we were reading uh, Surah 40 at a Quran study, and we read verse 13. It reads, He's the one who continuously shows you his proofs and sends down to you from the sky provisions. Only those who totally submit will be able to take heed. And someone asked a question. They said, what does it mean when it says God will continuously show you his proofs? And I was thinking about that. And there are so many of these proofs that God has just bestowed upon us that we take for granted. And it reminds me of this parable of this old fish who swims by two young fish. And the old fish asks the two young fish, he says, hey, how's the water? And the two young fish, they look at each other and they say, what's water? And the takeaway from this is the fact that when we're surrounded by something, sometimes we don't even acknowledge it's there. You think that we're born into this world with all this technology, all this prosperity, all this amazing things, even our bodies. But we take it all for granted. We think that this is the normal state of affairs. Think about what's going on right now. I'm pushing air throughout my uh, lungs. It's being vibrated by my vocal cords. My tongue and my mouth is manipulating this air into sounds that is being digitally transmitted from an analog signal to a digital signal onto your device, through your headphones or your speakers, into your ears, where there's little hairs in your ears that vibrate, that translate this sound into a digital signal that your brain corresponds to language that you're understanding. Now, if we are not in absolute awe of this process that God designed, then we're taking all this for granted. And this, there's so much of God's creation that, again, we were just born into. We think that this is normal, that, yeah, of course, I can talk. Of course, I can use hairs in my ear and transmit, <laughs> translate that sound from an uh, analog output into a digital input that my brain can process as language. I mean, this is absolutely bizarre, but reason for us to be in absolute awe of God's creation. In Surah 64, verse 3, it reads, He created the heavens and the earth for a specific purpose, designed you, and perfected your design, and to Him is the final destiny. You think about the fact that human beings, we can differentiate by looking at the faces of people, differentiate millions of faces. Just because how their nose is structured or how wide their eyes are or the color of their hair, we can differentiate between the faces of millions of people. That's amazing. And not only that, we can identify the faces of those we love. And when we see their faces, we get this little oxytocin release that makes us feel love and appreciation. This is amazing. <laughs> we should be in awe of this, of God's design. How God perfected these things for us. The fact that you have a heart, you have a digestive system that you don't have to think about. It's doing its thing naturally on its own. Imagine if you had to consciously think about every breath you took or consciously think about digesting food. Or let's say you got a cut. Do you have to will a scab to form? Do you have to will you, yourself to heal? No, by God's leave, it does it automatically. If we lack the ability for blood to clot, we would literally bleed to death from the smallest prick this is all per God's design, things that were just handed to us. We never had to even think about this. This was just part of God's system from day one. What a blessing. What a reason to be in absolute awe. Now, what's funny is it reminds me of this movie, Pulp Fiction, years ago. But in the movie, you have two assassins played by Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. And they had this near-death experience where this guy, at point-blank range, repeatedly misses them when he shoots a gun right in their face. Then later on, they're reflecting at it at a cafe. 
And Samuel L. Jackson's character is saying, we should not be here right now. That was divine intervention. And John Travolta is saying, what's the big deal? If he shot us and we were killed, we wouldn't be here to have this uh, conversation. He's just a bad shot. Is that people's response when they're inundated with these miracles, these proofs of their Lord? That, oh, it's just a coincidence. Right now they're saying, look, there's a multiverse. There's infinite number of universes. We just happen to be in the one habitable one that can suffice life. And not only suffice life, but life flourishes on planet Earth. All these things we have for us to be in awe. And what's funny is, as this draws a believer closer to God, it draws a disbeliever further away. It makes them less appreciative. Each night we go to sleep. We spend a third of our life sleeping. And we're still trying to understand why is that we sleep. We know that there's all these benefits. There's regenerative qualities. There's aspects of your uh, brain making connections. But one simple thing is the fact that we even sleep and we're not acting out our dreams. That there's a chemical that's released that paralyzes our body. So we don't go and hurt ourselves or others. There's this comedian, his name is Mike Briglia, and uh, he has this condition where when he sleeps, his body doesn't produce that chemical that paralyzes his body. So when he dreams, he acts out his dreams. And it's hilarious. But at the same time, it's absolutely dangerous. He talks about one time he was at a hotel and he had a dream where there were snipers aiming his hotel room and he thought he had to jump and he literally jumped out the window, covered in blood, running through the grass before he woke up and realized what happened. So now when he sleeps, he has to sleep in mittens in a sleeping bag. And God allows this to happen for the rest of us to see, are we appreciative? I hope you don't have to sleep with mittens in a sleeping bag. There's another professor, he has kind of the reverse of this, where if he gets too emotional, too excited, something uh, in that realm, that chemical's released and it paralyzes his body. That despite the fact that he's fully conscious, he cannot move one limb, one finger, when this episode takes place. Are we appreciative? Are we thankful? Are we in awe of all that God has designed for us? It could have been any other way. We could have been some amoeba somewhere, fighting to survive, looking for our next piece of glucose. But God gave us so much to see who's appreciative and who's unappreciative. In Surah 82 verse 7 it reads, The one who created you, designed you, and perfected you. We should be in absolute awe as believers in God. We should be in awe of God's design, this technology that he provided for us. In 2003, they concluded the Human Genome Project, where they were going and decoding every base pair, every letter of the human genome. Now, there's 3 billion base pairs, which corresponds to about 6 billion letters in the human genome. And there was two groups who were doing this. One was the publicly funded group. And then there was another one led by this individual's name is Craig Venter. And 10 years earlier, they interviewed Craig Venter. And they said, what's going to happen when we decode the human genome? And he was saying every ailment, every cancer, disease, uh, anything we can think of, we are going to be able to solve. 10 years later, they follow up after the human genome, 10 years afterwards, so about around 2013, and he said, we are more confused now than we were before the Human Genome Project. Because they thought that they were going to decode the human genome. They're going to be able to identify all the proteins, the protein section of the DNA. And what they found out was that only 5% of the human genome corresponded to protein uh, coding sections of DNA. 95% of the genome, they had no clue how it worked. They called it junk DNA. Then they realized that this quote-unquote junk DNA 
was the part of the genome that expressed each of these genes, that turned genes on and off correspondingly. And now people are just trying to understand how does this epigenetics work? How does this quote-unquote junk DNA work? You know, if you try to tie the markers in the, uh, the genome that corresponds to height or intelligence, they still, there is no one sequence that is going to make someone tall or is going to make someone intelligent. They're still trying to figure this out. And this reminds me of in uh, Darwin's Origin of Species, written in 1859, that he believed that organisms were created from simple plasma. He didn't realize the level of complexity. Now you think about this. These 6 billion letters that correspond to the 3 billion base pairs in our DNA. How much volume is that? So the Quran itself contains about 300,000 letters, roughly. In order, if you were to fill Qurans with the human genome of just one human, you would require 20,000 Qurans in order to fill the DNA of one human being. Now this entire genome is held in every single cell in our body. Every hundred trillion cells in our body contain the entire genome for a human being. Are we in awe? Are we absolutely amazed? And you think about these molecular machines in our bodies who are doing all kinds of tasks for our survival. Everything from creating energy, to removing harmful byproducts, to fighting disease, to fighting infection. All these things that our uh, bodies do naturally that are gifted to us by God, Lord of the universe. In Surah 40, verse 64, it reads, God is the one who rendered the earth habitable for you and the sky a formidable structure. And he designed you and designed you well. He is the one who provides you with a good provision, such as God, your Lord, most exalted Lord of the universe. God created this structure around planet earth. It provides us air, it provides us oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, these things that are essential for life. But it provides so much more. It just happens that our atmosphere, it allows in the part of the light spectrum, visible light, that is necessary for life to flourish, that's necessary for photosynthesis. While the harmful rays, the gamma rays, the x-rays, this cosmic radiation that can be absolutely detrimental to organisms are filtered by the iron core of the earth that creates a magnetic force that moves these harmful rays to the most inhospitable parts of the earth, the north and south pole, where life doesn't exist really. What a blessing. It didn't have to be this way. Are we in absolute awe of God's design? Are we thankful for what God created? The fact that the atmosphere, it contains about 21% oxygen. And for every percent increase in oxygen, the likeliness of combustion, fire igniting, increases by 70%. Now we suffer from forest fires, we suffer from natural disasters. How much worse would it be with a 1% increase in oxygen? And similarly, if you inverse that, you say 1% decrease in oxygen, it's 70% harder to harness fire. Would we still be in the Stone Age if the atmosphere contained 20% oxygen as opposed to 21% oxygen? These proportions are perfect. Or what if there was more nitrogen in the atmosphere? We would not be able to even see the cosmos. We would not be able to see all these heavenly bodies around us to allow us to understand where we are in orientation of the entire universe. One of the other fascinating things is that because we can look up at the cosmos, we're located in the part of the uh, Milky Way galaxy where if we were closer to the center, not only would it be more chaotic, we would not be able to differentiate the stars within our galaxies from the ones outside of our galaxy. 
We just happen to be located in the perfect spot for us to be able to do these solar observations. Or even the fact that Earth is the only planet in the entire solar system at the exact moment that experiences a perfect solar eclipse with a life that is intelligent enough to appreciate this. Because each year, the moon's orbit around the Earth increases by about one inch. Meaning that if you went back a million years, let's say we take everything as is and we just take all humanity back a million years, the moon would have been a million inches closer to Earth, causing severe tidal shifts. Imagine the storms that would uh, transpire during that time. If you ever get to go to the mountains next to a coastline, you'll see that it's inundated with fossils of sea creatures. It's because back then, a million years ago, the tides were so high that they would reach the mountains. And this was the, the life that the organisms had to live back then. But we just happen to live at the time when the tides are relatively submissive, where they don't affect our day-to-day -day inhabitants. Now, not only that, but because this perfect proportion of the sun, the moon, the earth, where the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun and 400 times closer than the earth, we are able to witness a perfect solar eclipse that the entire sun is blocked out with the exception of the chromosphere. Now, why is this so important, these proportions? Again, a million years earlier, a million years later, we won't have this precision. It just happens to correspond with the time when you have intelligent life here to be able to harness this technology, this cosmic experiment of a solar eclipse. The solar eclipse allowed us to confirm in 1919 Einstein's theory of general relativity. Because what happened is an individual, they went, an astronomer went and saw where two stars were located at the moment of a solar eclipse, then came back to that point a year later after the solar eclipse and saw that the sun shifted the gravity, the light from those uh, stars. Now, in addition, because we could see the chromosphere of the sun, we could use spectroscopy to understand what is the chemical makeup of the sun without having to physically travel there. And we saw that suns were made out of predominantly, stars were made out of predominantly hydrogen and helium. So when we look at the heavenly bodies, what we saw were that other stars were also made from hydrogen and helium with one exception, that their light spectrum was shifting towards the left, meaning that they were traveling at immense speeds away from planet Earth. And if you transpired this, what you saw were that the heavenly bodies, the galaxies that were further away from the Earth, were traveling at faster speeds than the ones that were closer to Earth. And if you extrapolate all this backwards, what you get is the moment of the Big Bang. And this was confirmation of the Big Bang. And this is confirmed in the Quran. God talks about the Big Bang in the Quran in Surah 21, verse 30. It says, Do the unbelievers not realize that the heaven and the earth used to be one solid mass that we exploded into existence? God is giving us these little clues in the Quran to let us know that this book was not written by some individual in the dark ages of Saudi Arabia that it was inspired to him directly from the Lord of the universe. This is for us to realize, are we appreciative that this perfect explosion took place? And in a previous episode, we looked at the, uh, the fine-tuning of the universe, how the explosion had to be absolutely precise, that even the slightest deviation of one of these cosmological constants were off the expansion rate of the universe, the strong and weak nuclear force, the magnetic force, the force of gravity, any of these were off. And I believe there's about 27 fine-tuning principles that have to be perfectly calibrated. That if a single one of these were off, we would not have life. 
Now, what's ironic is a believer sees this and they're in awe of God. A disbeliever sees this and says, ah, what's the big deal? There's probably an infinite number of universes. We just happen to be in the one that has life and has earth and flourishing technology. What's the big deal? And this is the difference between a believer and a disbeliever. A believer sees this and is absolutely mesmerized, is in awe of God's design. It draws them closer to God. It makes them want to learn more about God's system. Surah 2130 continues, it says, And from water we made all living things. Would they believe? We just happen to live in a planet Earth that has an abundance of water, which is the exact ingredient necessary for life to even exist, let alone flourish. And God created a system that despite the fact that the majority of the water on planet Earth is salty, that you have evaporation, that from salt water you can pull out fresh water, put that into a river in the sky, and send it all through the land in order for life to be able to flourish. Are we in awe? Are we absolutely amazed by this? We should be. This is amazing. And it continues and it says, And we place on earth stabilizers, lest it tumbles with them, and place straight roads therein, that they may be guided. These mountains, they serve like pegs in the plate tectonics of the earth. And to put this in perspective, the crust of the earth by which we live on is the equivalent of, if you took an apple, it's the skin of the apple. And this is the, the part that we're dependent on for life to be able to flourish. Because below that skin is inhospitable. And it continues and it says, And rendered the sky a guarded ceiling, yet they are totally oblivious to all the portents therein. And he is the one who created the night and the day and the sun and the moon, each floating in its own orbit. Wow. I'm just in awe. Like, it's funny. We take this for granted. We forget. We, we get so used to our day to day. We forget about all these blessings that God has bestowed upon us, that this world that we were born into, the environment by which we have, and we're not even, we're just talking about strictly these scientific facts, not about civil law, not about technology, not about all these things that we have that allow us to flourish. In Surah 51 verse 47, it reads, we constructed the sky with our hands and we will continue to expand it. Up until Hubble discovered that the universe is expanding. Even Einstein used to think that the universe was static, that it was there forever. He calls this one of his greatest blunders. And um, not only is the universe expanding, in April 29, 2019, they found out that it's actually expanding faster than they thought before by about 9%. And God is giving us these clues. He says, we will continue to expand it. This is for us to be in awe of the Lord of the universe, the author of the Quran. In Surah 41, verse 11, it says, Then he turned to the sky when it was still gas and said to it, And to the earth come into existence willingly or unwillingly. They said we come willingly. When the Big Bang took place, it was all gas, predominantly hydrogen and helium. This hydrogen and helium would collide with one another and form stars. And as the mass of these stars increased, the gravity increased. And as they increased, they would produce more and more elements until you reach iron. When the star's core became a certain critical mass of iron, it would cause it a supernova and the star would explode, putting debris and elements throughout the entire universe. And this is what formed planets. And this is per God's design. In Surah 31 verse 10, it says, He created the heavens without pillars that you can see. And in Surah 13 verse 2 reads, God is the one who raised the heavens without pillars that you can see, then assumed all authority. What are these pillars? When they were building models for the uh, orbits of galaxies and just the, the spacing of the universe, what they realized was there wasn't enough visible matter to equate for the uh, rotation of something like the Milky Way galaxy. 
that there had to be additional masses there holding these structures into place. And they realized that only 5% of matter in the universe is visible. 27% of matter is called dark matter. We can't see it. We can't measure it. We, can't, we know it's there. And same thing with dark energy, 68%. And what's interesting is they describe this dark matter and dark energy as if it's a pillars, a cosmic web holding these galaxies in their orbit, holding these galaxies in place. And it's similar to what's in the Quran. Now, this isn't a coincidence. God is putting these little gems inside the Quran for us to realize that this book is from Him, Lord of the universe. And there's so much more out there. These blessings that God has just bestowed upon us, more than we can fathom, more than we can count. These are just some that are coming to the top of my head that I enjoy speaking about. But it's for us to be able to be appreciative, to realize just how amazing God is, to continuously be in a state of awe. There is a quote from Rumi. It says, sell your cleverness for bewilderment. To be continuously in a state of awe, in a state of appreciation for God's blessings. In Surah 41 verse 53 it reads, We will show them our proofs in the horizons and within themselves until they realize that this is the truth. Is your Lord not sufficient as a witness of all things? This is a test for us. It's going to be so obvious in the sense that once you have vision, once you see this, once you realize what's going on, it's impossible not to see it. But for someone who chooses to be willfully blind, there's nothing that they can see in this world that's going to convince them otherwise. Not until the day of judgment when they're face to face to God and their vision is as sharp as steel. God willing, we're going to end there. But as always, if you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.